Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm Dave Butler. I'm Grace Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We are, this is our scripture study class. If you're new here, howdy. If you're an old time friend, howdy, howdy. And well, I guess both of you should get howdy, both. That felt double, rude to the new howdy, people. Everybody, howdy, howdy to all, everybody who's coming. We moved through the scriptures. This year we're in the New Testament and we are going, we're in the second half of the New Testament, the letters of Paul. We're doing two letters today. Philippians and Colossians, and we move through and we point out things that we think uh, you don't want to miss as you go through the scriptures and uh, just little tips and tricks on teaching and discussing and all the above. So we're super happy that you're here and we are going to jump right in. If you have the tippins, uh, if you're new and don't know what this is, there we have a little set of these things we call tippins that if you use real life scriptures, you can slide into the pages. They're kind of like these things we used to have in seminary where you can just glue along the edge and slide it in. So every time you come back to the spot in scripture, you have this little thing um, that will remind you of things that you learned or whatever. On these, at the beginning of every letter, there's like a little intro of who wrote it, when it was written, kind of what, who the audience was and what the vibe of that city was that Paul was writing to. And then a couple things that are almost act like a table of contents. So we have one for Philippians and we have one for Colossians. And if you want to write on one of these or your notes somewhere about these two cities, um, Paul, the, there, Paul's actually been to the city of Philippi. This is where Lydia, do you remember her, the seller of purple, where he met her in the book of Acts? And this is his first like European, um, what do you say, church branch <laughs> that he plants is in Europe and Philippi. And you'll find out in this letter how much he just loved these, loves these people and how like devoted they are. A lot of Bible scholars think Philippi, the city, was a, um, a city filled with ex-soldiers. So there was kind of a sense of um, loyalty and devotion in that city, and it spills over into their, into their faith, which is cool. And Colossians, this letter, Paul, most Bible scholars think he's actually never been to this place before, but is still writing to them to encourage them in this letter. And you're going to find a lot of things similar. He's writing to two different people and, and he writes a lot of similar ideas as you've kind of seen throughout all of his letters. So these two, you'll want to slide into Philippians and slide this into Colossians. Um, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then Philemon, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks, are all called the prison letters because it's obvious in what Paul's saying, he points out that he actually is writing these from behind bars. He's in jail. So we talked about that with Ephesians last week. And we're going to talk about it again today because these two are two of his prison letters. And it almost seems surprising. Like once you start reading these, it's going to seem surprising that he's writing them from prison, which right. is why it almost is like you need to remember that from the very beginning. Because when you do, the words start meaning something different. Yeah, because he'll teach something and you would just be like, oh, sure. Yeah. How yeah. great for someone like you to think that. And know? he seems like Philippians is so happy. Like it really is like right. such a happy book. Right. That Then like if you were just going to read that, you'd be like, oh, that's so cute. Like he had such a good life. Like what a happy guy. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, he actually wrote that in jail. It's going to change the way you read it. Right. So that's why we called today Learned in the Middle because of this. Our worksheet for, if you want to click that button over, we'll show you this first. Um, every single week we have a, a, a worksheet that you can either fill out as you study personally, or it's something that you might want to use to copy and give to a class or to your kids or, or something like that to use. And ours is called Prison Sentences. It's funny because a couple of years ago when we... I, I just started that by saying it's funny. And I told you it was going to be funny. It's not that funny. So I don't want to scam anybody. But a couple of years ago, it was during COVID. And we were obviously in our house locked up like we were in jail. And Joe, um, Jack actually said that to me. He's like, I feel like I'm serving a prison sentence. And it was funny because that phrase didn't leave me. That prison sentence. And obviously he meant a time in jail. But then soon after that, I came across Philippians 4.13, which we'll talk about today, that one of, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And I was like, 
that's actually a prison sentence. And today, we, ha- we want to show you this worksheet at the beginning and maybe challenge you to like throughout the lesson, or this might be a way that you focus in on this lesson and teaching it is to say, let's list all of Paul's prison sentences. Let's, here are the things that he learned during his actual prison sentence. And sometimes there are, it takes a prison or it takes a pit or it takes a tragedy or it takes a sickness or it takes a disappointment to learn a particular lesson or for that lesson to really come alive. And I think we get to see that in Paul's teaching. And I love that it doesn't seem overwhelming that it's just a sentence, you know, mm-hmm. that he's like, oh, wait, no, here's just like a few little things that you're like, oh, that's, that's like something I can handle, you yeah, know? Right. I don't need to have this big thing. Like, it just could be a sentence. Right. And I think, well, yeah, you'll see that throughout as mm-hmm. we go through. Okay. So our first section is this one we're calling For It Is God. And we're going to start in Philippians chapter two. Don't worry. We'll be hopping all around. So you'll get all the fun as, as we go through. And here in Philippians chapter two, there's this uh, phrase that happens that kind of um, confuses people. And people have debated about it for a long time. And it comes as part of a poem, actually. Philippians chapter two, verses six through 11 is a poem. And he actually, it's kind of like his central idea in the entire book. And it's a poem about um, who God is. And then he'll kind of branch off that and share ideas throughout the entire book. If you're kind of a Bible scholar nerd, you would notice that and see that, that it's kind of the central idea. And at the very end of it, he uses this line and he says, wherefore, remember wherefore is that you always want to circle that word because it's like connecting you to a previous idea. So something, I taught you something now, wherefore, because of what I just taught you, my beloved, As you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And sometimes that phrase can be a little bit confusing because we want to, people are like, wait a second, what do you mean work out my salvation? It almost seems anxious. Like it's like, uh, I don't want to be in charge of that. Especially with the words as they're translated with fear and trembling. Yeah. Right? It gives that idea of like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And I don't know if I'm doing enough. And it's almost like he's saying, I would be super concerned about this if I were you. That it leaves you, um, ah, like, hold on. I, I, you know, and you can almost hear somebody getting anxious about that question. Here on the next slide, what we did is kind of took the poem and we divided up some of the things that he taught. Because I think there is, in this question in the journal number one in the journal that kind of wants you to work through this a little bit, to think through to yourself. What is that relationship between God's work and my work? And what do we mean, or what might Paul mean when he says, work out your own salvation? Because if you look in the poem, starting in verse six, you're going to start looking at what it is that was the work of God. And he says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Meaning he was there in the pre-mortal realm, um, Jehovah, God of the Old Testament, glorified, worshiped. And then it says, but he made himself of no reputation. He used to be like, man, like known. And then he came to be a carpenter's son in this unknown city in Northern Galilee. And And he took upon him the form of a servant. And he was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Like he dealt with like the things of earth, hunger and and tiredness and scraped knees and all of those things. And it says, and even became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, which was the most humiliating and disgraceful way to die in the time. And so you look at that and you start putting up a list. It was like the work of God in my salvation He worked it out like this, by giving up everything, by becoming a servant, by humbling himself, by dying on the cross. And then it just says right after that, this, wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and hath given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, it says in verse 10, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the glory of God, the glory of God, the father. 
And we put over on that side that then my work is, is this, to bow the knee and to confess that he is the Christ. I'll be honest, when I first was introduced to this phrase, I kind of read it as a little bit of a um, demanding phrase. That just this idea of like, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Seems bossy. Yeah, it does, right? When I conquer everything, you will have to bow the knee and your tongue will have to confess. But then when you read it in this context, after that six through 11, you start to think, once you meet him, once you learn the story, once you realize what he's actually done, your heart will be compelled to bow the knee and your tongue will be compelled to confess. He will win everyone over with love. That That is his mode and his, his method. And and I think there's something about that to confess that he's the Christ is to say like, yeah, you are, you're the savior that my work is to give my salvation over to you or verse 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Take that, what he's done seriously. Um, law doesn't require that, but love requires that. Like it, when somebody does something so magnificent for you like love requires that you respond in a certain way and that you take it seriously a gift a great great priceless precious gift was given and relationship requires that i treat that with with utmost respect and i take care of it and i look after it and and if you've if you've bought me for a certain purpose i i want to work on that and I want to make sure I'm responding to you and living out that gift in the right way. I, I, Caleb just had a birthday and I just keep thinking about like the gifts that were given to him. And, and, the, and, and he honors the gift by the way that he, you know, looks after it and treats it. And, 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 and I think that's just natural. I think it's a, the, so for sure there's that we don't, his work, he he purchased us on the cross. He gave up everything and, and he bought our salvation. But his work is not done. And our work then becomes responding to that and growing up in it and, and receiving it and living it in a way that's worthy of the gift that was given. Well, and it's so interesting to me that you have to think about it in a relationship point of view, I think. Yeah. Because... It's going to seem bossy unless you know him. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. any other king if, the king, if the king, if you said the king said, you know, then it would be like, oh, I yeah. have an idea of what kings are like, but. But if you know him. Right. Not this king. It's different. Yeah. You know, and it almost like it just makes me think about anytime anyone ever asks you to do something. And like if a stranger asks you to do something, you're going to be kind of like. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sold on that idea. Like, I'm right. just like, uh, okay, that's weird. But, like, think about what you would be willing to do for someone that you actually love. Right. Then all of a sudden, people are going to be like, what are you doing? That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And you're like, oh, I don't, you don't get it. Right. You don't get it yet. Right. If right. you knew about this, you would. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as if he just wants you to remember, listen, if you read this out of context, he's going to seem bossy. Yeah. But if you know him, it's not going to be so, like, you're not doing it because he's bossy. You're doing it because you can't believe he's real. Yeah, you, I, I think we saw, like, one of the greatest spots in Scripture, I think, maybe to take people to as you talk about this, this discussion. Because it's going to be a great discussion. Like, what is, what do, what do we think we mean, work out salvation? And I, and I think we'd have to define what that word means. means. It, 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 I, I don't think Paul necessarily means saved from sin and death, right? Because he saved us from sin and death, right? Yeah. So what's a more expansive view of salvation? But um, in Exodus, when he takes them to Mount Sinai, he says to them, before the Ten Commandments in Exodus 19, he just, he reminds them, I set you free from Egypt upon eagles' wings. He says, now I would like to turn you into a kingdom of priests and priestesses, into a holy nation. If you can trust me, I can do that for you. And then introduces the Ten Commandments or way of living in order to become, in order to like fully receive that gift of salvation. I didn't just save you from prison. 
I wanted to help you to become something more. And we talked about that a little bit last, that last week. And if we understand that bigger picture of it, it's like, okay, now I can see what's your work and what's mine. And, and then I like that he ends with this verse 13 that goes over on this side. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And I, that hits what you were saying earlier, that it's not like that he will do it to his will and his pleasure but his will and his good pleasure. The, like his intentions are good with you. It's and, not that he wants to be the dictator. Right. He has, he has good intentions. Right, right. So um, we'll, this will come up again and we'll get into some of this a little bit later too. Paul's going to come back to it in the book of Colossians. So, but let's go on to the next segment here. Okay, the next segment is so cute, but I have to tell a story before we get into the verses because I feel like they make the verses mean more. Um, I served my mission in Sacramento, California, and we typically had a car. Like we just like that. I was spoiled on my mission. I get it. I know. I'm sorry, everyone. We typically, (laughs) we typically had a car, but there was this one day when me and my companion, she was just like, what if we just don't take the car anywhere? And I was like, yeah, I love that idea. I was like, let's figure it out. She's like, we'll just take the bus. We'll walk. It'll be great. I was like, yes, I'm in. Um, what we didn't anticipate is that unfortunately we were way slower and way worse at understanding the bus than um, we would have been if we were in the car. And so by about like 2 p.m., we just realized that we were not going to be able to accomplish anything that day that we had in mind. Like every appointment, we missed it. Like it was just like there was no option for us, except for at 8 o'clock we had this lesson. And we were like, no, like we have to make it to the 8 o'clock lesson. And I was like, yeah, like we got it. Like that's fine. And what happened is on our way to the lesson, we realized that maybe we were about to not make it on to the um lesson and we like started panicking and all of a sudden she like looks at me and she's like listen we have to run and something about me is that i'm not a runner at all i'm like why are you laughing like you just the way that you said that something about me is i am not a runner (laughs) i am not a runner that is important to know like not even a little like it's not even like i'm a jogger it's not even like i am i just don't i don't do that i don't mess with that and i was like i don't think i don't think that's a great idea and she's like no we're gonna miss the lesson like we have to start running and so we start running First of all, I'm wearing Doc Martens in the middle of Sacramento, California in a dress and I'm sprinting down the streets. I said, who thought that was a great idea? I was looking like an idiot. I was like, you're kidding. I'm just dying. I'm huffing and puffing. I legit feel like I'm about to pass out. And on our way to the lesson, we passed this skate park. And I like to skate. Let me say this also. I'm not good at skating, but I do like it. You don't have to be good at your hobbies to like them, okay? So I do like to skate. And mostly when I was passing the skate park, what was going through my head wasn't how much I like to skate, but it was more like, please give me a break from this run. Like I can't run anymore or else I'm going to throw up on the streets of Sacramento. And there was this boy at the top of like a little half pipe at the skate park. He was like 13. And he was like trying to drop in. And it surely was his first time because his friend was like on the side and he was like, go like you could do it like he was like trying to like force him to go and he was like so nervous and i was like this is a good break i was like this is gonna look like i'm like being nice yeah like i'm being a nice neighbor and so i like (laughs) stop and i'm like then i look over and i'm like go like you could do it like you got this and in my head i was like my companion doesn't know that i just can't run anymore she just (laughs) thinks i'm being nice and um he looks over at me and he's like you do it and i was like okay mostly thinking i still get to have a break <laughs> like, it's fine so i walk into the skate park my companion has to come with me because that's the rules and we get there and i like climb to the top of the half pipe and he's like shocked and he like looks at me and he's like are you for real and i was like yeah i was like i, sh- I climbed all the way up here i was like of course i'm for real and he like looks me up and down and he like looks at my shoes and the dress situation and he's like are you gonna wear that and i was like did you bring me a change of clothes? I was like, yes, I'm going to wear this. And then he like, you could see in his like 13 year old brain that he is like, no, you're not. And I was like, yeah, like, I was like, what? There's no other option. And so he like tries to look at me and see if it's a good idea again. And he sees my name tag. And then my name tag says Jesus Christ on it, like missionary name tags. So they say your name and then Jesus is. And he's like, oh, Jesus. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you know him? And I was Aww. like, I know. First of all, I was like, you're kidding. I was like, yeah, like I know him. And he's like, I've been trying to learn about him. And in my head, I was like, perfect. I was like, great. Um, I was like, so what do you know? And he's like, um, 
He's like, I don't know anything, but I do know about his like tea merch. And I was like, is tea merch? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, my friends wear the tea merch and I the necklace. And I was like this. Oh. <laughs> I said, the cross? And he's like, um, he's like, yep, it looks like a T. That's what I, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, the cross. I was like, do you know why they wear it? And he's like, no, that's why I asked you. And I was like, first oh, of all, this. you're going to die. You are going to love him by the end. And also, why was I the worst missionary ever that I was like, I didn't even care. I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And I was like, okay, well, do you want to learn? And he's like, duh. He's like, that's like, yeah. I was like, who is he? And so we sit down and I was like, it was hard for me to comprehend that, like where he was at. And I was like, so you mm -hmm. don't know. Like, I was like, you don't know anything. And he's like, nope, just, he's like, just the team merch. And I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, well, I'll explain the team merch. And so we sat down and we just dangled our little legs on the half pipe. And I didn't really know where to begin the story of Jesus unless you just start at the very beginning. So we did. Yeah. We started with Mary and Joseph and then we went through and we talked about turning water to wine and how he can change something that's so basic into something that's so much better than it was. And we talked about walking in water and how he can do impossible things and healing the blind and healing the people that can't walk and raising them and helping them walk for the first time and how he can do things that no one else can do and how he heals you and how he helps you. And he's like pretty into it. And I was like, oh, this is good. And then I started getting to like the garden of Gethsemane. And I was like, and he felt everything that you've ever felt. And he knows like your pains and your sicknesses and your hurting. And he kind of just put his head down and I'll be so for real. I was like, He's 13. He just wanted to know why his friends wore tees on their necklace. Like, mm. I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is, I was like, oh no. And then in my head, I was like, but I can't, I have to finish the story because he doesn't yeah. even know what the tees for. So I was like, okay. So I like kind of start going through and I'm like, and then he died on the cross. Like he was innocent and like he raised from the dead. Like it was crazy. And like, I kind of explained like the relevance of it. And I kind of was hustling through the end. And um, at the end, and I was like, yeah, and that's Jesus. And he looked up at me and I expected like a boy who just like wanted to like drop in the half pipe and he was sobbing oh. and he looked and he said, is that real? Mm. And I was like, yeah, like that's for real. And he shook his head a little bit and he just said, this is going to change everything for me. Mm. And there's something about knowing Jesus that tends to have that effect. Yeah that it could change in one afternoon. And all of a sudden in chapter three, um, that's what happens for Paul. If you start in verse eight, all of a sudden he's gonna say, listen, I need you to know that my knowledge of Jesus Christ is actually the most important thing in my entire life. Everything else, everything else, I love that he wants to say, and do count them but dung. He's like, it just is literally worthless to me. Yeah. Like it doesn't even matter. Like, And before that, he went through his, his almost his resume where yeah. he was just like, listen, I did everything right. And, you know, I was like, I, I was of the best class. I was blameless. I was the best yeah, tribe. like I was, I was so... from the, you know, the, I was all the, I was the in crowd. I was everything successful in my world that, that would have called you successful. Yeah, like I did it. Right. Like I knew. And he wasn't dumb. He knew things. He right. was smart. Right. And then all of a sudden he said, but listen, you don't understand that when I met Jesus, everything changed for me. Yeah. He says, I may win Christ and be found in him. And all of a sudden you go through all of these verses in nine. There's so many good things. And in 10, he says, just that I might know him. It's actually through Jesus that everything changed for me. And the longer all these verses, eight through 14, you have to read them all 18 times in a row because you're going to love them so much. But all of a sudden he starts helping you understand that maybe the most beautiful thing you could do is know jesus yeah that's actually going to be what changes everything and he goes through and he says even if you look in like verse 13 and 14 that he says no actually that's it that's all i look forward to this is knowing him thing. more 13 it's just, says that this one thing yeah, yeah it's actually just that i can forget about everything else everything else i knew everything else that i thought was important everything else that i built my life on once i knew jesus everything changed that's my hope. Yeah. That's what I love. And it's almost as if he wanted to say, I actually had a moment like that at the skate park. That once I knew Jesus, I realized that everything was going to change. You know? Yeah. And he goes a little bit deeper into detail because it's interesting once that happens, that it's not just 
your thoughts that change. It's not just like, oh, I learned something I didn't before. I know why my friends wear team merch, right? It wasn't that that changed for Mario. It wasn't that he, that boy at the skate park, wanted to put on a cross necklace. He might have, which would have been, like, that could have been true. But it wasn't that that he was saying changed for him. It was actually his life. Mm. He said, I want to do things differently now. My life is actually changed because of my knowledge of who Jesus is. What happens for Paul is the same thing. Is He's like, wait, that actually changed me. Everything else before that seems so meaningless compared to the knowledge of Jesus because of what my life is like now. And it's interesting because he's almost like, and so, and then I took another, I had another prize to win. I had another, I wanted to press forward in that verse 14 toward another mark. Yeah. Like everything, like my whole, the whole mark changed. Like all of a sudden I was like, hold on. I now, I now want to emphasize and I want to focus on and I want to live out different ambitions and different thoughts and different dreams now because of. Knowing him. Right. I had That's this, it. I had this other thing and I would give it all up now. Yeah. Like it was this. meaningless. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Now that I know him and in Colossians chapter three, it just ties so good with this idea of knowing him changes you. It changes your goals and your dreams and your ambitions. And all of Colossians chapter three, you just want to read the whole thing and highlight every single verse, but he's going to start and he's going to say, listen, this is what it looks like after you know him, how you might live different. Maybe your life might pattern like this. And he's like, you're actually going to put off some things. Anger, wrath, malice, all of these things that maybe your life was once built on and founded on and actually might have controlled you. You're going to actually take that off. You don't Mm -hmm. need that anymore. That's not going to be the storyline of your life. And there's actually going to be something else that you're going to put on. In verse 10, it says, you're going to have to put on the new man. Mm. Something different is going to happen. You know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's going to unpack. He's like, actually, let me help you figure out what to put on. And in all of the rest of these verses from 10 all the way down to like 17 even, he's going to start saying like, oh, actually, let me show you your new life. In verse 12, he's going to say, put on instead of that anger and wrath and malice and those things. What if you put on mercy and kindness and humbleness of mind, and meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. What if you put on this new life? Yeah, those other things that you had on before may have helped you to get ahead, and may have helped you win the prize in that particular race you were running, but now you're in a new one. Like Like your whole understanding of what this world's about is different. Like, you may have heard and learned the story of Jesus before and thought that ended in a failure and in a loss. But once you realize that it was it ended in a victory and it was a different kind than you ever thought, and it's a different kind of race, and it's a different kind of intention and purpose, like now you're going to start putting on something entirely different. And he wants you to know it's a win from the beginning. Like he says in that verse, I don't I just lost it, but. Back in three. Verse eight. Yeah. In, or, yeah. Wait. Chapter three, verse eight. He wants, like from the very beginning, he's like, listen. Philippians my mark, three, eight? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's confusing. We're jumping between Philippians and Colossians. Different Philippians books. three and Colossians three. That is, oh yeah, true. At least that's okay. easy to remember. Both chapter three. Yeah. Um, that he wants you to know, like, wait, actually, you're, my end goal changed and it's a win. Like he's going to win. I changed Mm -hmm. my mark and my goal and my dreams. And actually I changed it to an automatic win because he's the win, you know? Yeah. And now my life gets to look like this. Now you say the good thing about the coat because I can't wait for you to say that. If you're watching, there's like this picture of a girl in a coat on the screen and you might be thinking that's so random, but there is this idea of putting on that he's talking about. And I was just, um, can't remember where I was listening and, and heard somebody give this analogy recently. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting that he talked about on a cold and a wintry day, snowy, windy day, um, you would choose to put on a coat or a scarf or mittens or a hat. And he said, those things don't change the weather. They didn't change the temperature. They didn't change the wind. They didn't wind chill. They didn't change the, the fact that it was snowing or raining. They are designed to change you. And they're designed to help you live out the life you want to live in that particular 
condition. And Paul's learning that here, where he's just like, oh, these are the things I need to put on if I want to live out the life of Jesus in this present and current world. Which doesn't look like a win. His life right now doesn't look like an actual win. He's in prison. Right. Like, it's not looking good. Like, anyone else that would look at it would be like, uh, you're saying that nothing mattered before, but your life before seemed pretty good. Yeah. It seemed safe, and it seemed like you were doing all right. And, like, the looks of the world would make it seem like that was a win. So, all of a sudden, when he's like, no, listen, all of that, I couldn't care less about it. My life now, because of Jesus, is a win. People were probably like, what kind of win are you talking about? Because it's not that. But all of a sudden, once you start thinking like that, maybe it was a win because he was changing. Mm. You know, the circumstance didn't change, but he did. Right. He was still in jail. Right. But all of a sudden, this was his experience in jail. Yeah. And it wasn't taking away jail. It was actually him saying, I can find mercy and kindness and meekness and long suffering and charity in jail. Right. Right. That's going to change me. And he teaches that in this next section, they kind of go together and it's verse that you might know really well. And anybody who came to Paul in jail would have probably said, what is happening? In fact, I think I'm going to go out on a limb here and think I can remember this. If you go over to Philippians 1 and you go to verse uh, 12, um, he just says this, but I would that you should understand that the things which have happened to me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Right? He's like, this is a little bit opposite day here because again, you'd think I just lost by going to jail. And he says, actually what happened wasn't a falling out of my life. It was a falling out unto the furtherance of the gospel. What happened to me that seemed negative actually ended up being a positive for the cause of Christ. And he said, um, Um, My bonds of Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all the other places and many of the brethren in the Lord. So, so many people know that I'm in jail because of my belief and it's making them want to ask, why are, why, what's happening? Why are you in prison? This doesn't add up. Yeah, nothing adds up here. And he says, and also other people are waxing confident by my bonds. Um, Like other people are seeing that and they're actually finding courage. And he's like, so what seems like a major setback for me is actually a step forward in the furtherance of the gospel. And then he uses this line. He says, what then? Not with, this is verse 18 of verse of chapter one, Philippians 1, 18, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. What, you know, whatever's going on here, He's being preached in all of it. And I therein do rejoice. Yea, I will rejoice. For, verse 19, I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Anything that's happening to me is actually going to turn out for good. And it's going to turn out toward me changing and, and a benefit of this. And you kind of would listen to him talk and just think, where is all this optimism coming from? In fact, he says in 20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Whatever happens, it will not, I won't be ashamed of it. But that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified. Like like he is going to win out no matter what. And he says, even whether by life or by death. And he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So if I live... He goes on and says this, if I die, great, I get to be with Jesus. But if I live, great, I get to preach Jesus even more. He's like, it is a win-win situation for me. And people would listen to him. And that's why we call this one the great secret, because someone would be like, how are you living with that kind of, what word did he use? Earnest expectation and hope from verse 20. How are you living with that kind of mindset and that kind of view? And he teaches us, that great secret over in chapter four, one of his most famous prison sentences where he, he says, um, he says this, man, there's so much other, should I just point out some prison sentences along the way? Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That would be a great prison sentence, by the way. And a great one where people are like, what? Verse five, just so you know, the Lord is near. And, and you would think, 
No, he ain't. You're in jail. <laughs> that is evidence that he is not near, is what someone would think. And he says, that's not, that's not true. Verse 6, he's just like, don't stress about anything. Be careful for nothing. He's like, you don't have to stress about things. But in everything, have prayer and supplication and have thankfulness and let all your requests be no- made known unto God. And the peace of God, verse 7, which passes all understanding, is going to keep or protect, is another word for that, your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, skip down and he says this, I know how to be abased. This is verse 12. Like, I know how to, I know how to be humbled, humbled, and I know how to lose everything. And I also know how to abound. I know how to have good seasons, and I know how to have bad seasons. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and hungry, both to abound and suffer in need. No matter what happens, I can handle it because of this great secret. How in the world does that person keep a smile on their face despite everything that's the job loss, the death in the family, the bad diagnosis, the bankruptcy, the like how how are all how is that smile possible? And he says, verse 13, the secret, the great secret is I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The key is I put on Jesus and I can walk out into any snowstorm and I can face it and it can turn to salvation for me. Like I put on him. Like that's the great secret. The great secret of of the grace of Jesus Christ. He strengthens me and everything. Sometimes we misquote 13 and say, I can do all things through Christ. Meaning like, if I want to fly, I could fly, you know, or whatever. Like, And it's like, oh no, he's saying, whatever happens in life, you will be able to handle it. And not only handle it, but it can be turned for good through Christ, which will strengthen you in it. Like it won't smother you. It won't defeat you. And a lesson can be learned from it and growth can come from it. Like that is the great secret and it's in him. And that keeps getting repeated throughout this entire lesson. It's just like, you didn't find the motivation. You didn't wake up and cheer yourself on in in the mirror. You know, you didn't wake up and say, I'm going to say, have a happy day. three And and I'm all for like those kind of encouraging (laughs) thoughts, you know, but he says, the secret was verse 13. The secret is that I found strength in Christ. And you can add on to that in verse 19 also, where he says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And that's the great secret. Well, and it's so interesting to me because I think most of the time when we read that scripture, let's be so for real, we just read only that verse. You know, like we just stay in 13 and it's so good. Like you almost like, you're like, why would we go anywhere else? Because that's beautiful. Yeah. But (laughs) it does make you think for one second, like, oh, I can fly. I could do like, he's magic. It like makes him seem like he's like a wizard granting wishes, a genie. Right. And then all of a sudden when you like connect it to verse 12, it almost changes the way you see it because instead all of a sudden it's like. Jesus actually just wants to be with you all the time. And how much easier is it to do things? And you're like, oh, I know he's going to come with me. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be fine. Like, I can do anything because I know that he actually wants to be in my story. Yeah. You yeah. know? It's not like, for me, all of a sudden it just changed that it's not like me thinking about like, oh, like, what's on my bucket list that Jesus is going to help me accomplish? And now all of a sudden it's like, wait, I have a lot of things to do in my life every single day. And Jesus actually wants to be a part of all of them. Yeah. I don't have to do my checklist by myself of my day, like accomplishing all of these things. All of a sudden it's like, oh wait, I actually can just take Jesus here with me. Yeah. I'm not by myself in this. No, in nothing, right? And, yeah. And it just, I can do all things. I can do every single thing on my list of, of the day. I can do anything that comes unexpected. I can do them all through Christ, which strengthens me. And it's so interesting because it makes me want to wonder if I invite him into my all. Mm. You know? Like, I have this friend that always Instead talks about... Instead of into your sum. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Bring I have this friend all, that always wants to say, like, there's three types of friends. There's, like, a five-minute friend. It's, like, the type of friend that you, like, see them and you want to talk to them for five minutes, but you maybe don't have anything more to say after five minutes. Yeah. And, like, you, when you run into them in the store, you're like, oh, hey, like, I'm so happy that I just saw you. But, like, yeah. then after that, you don't really think about them. And then there's, like, once-a-week friends. They're like the friends that like, you know, on the weekend, you want to hang out with them because they're always doing something fun on the weekend. But the rest of the week, you don't really care about thinking about them. And then there's like 24 seven, like I could see you all day, every day. Like I want you to be caught up in every single aspect of my life. Mm. And when you think about the friends that really change you, 
is the 24-hour friends, right? Yeah. Like the friends that actually you care about are those ones. And I think sometimes on accident, when we think about our relationship with Jesus, instead of him being an all things, a 24-hour all-the-time friend, we're like, oh, like a five-minute friend. Like if I happen to run into you, like I want to address that it was you and like I'm so happy that I saw you. But like I don't really, you're not in my all things, you know? Or like, mm. oh, you're in my once a week thing. Like on Sundays, I'm all for it. Like I love to think about Jesus being in my Sundays, but on my Monday through Saturday, I'm all right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Paul's like, no, wait, let me invite you into a different way of living. An all type of living. Yeah. That you can actually bring him in to your every single day. Right. That's what's going to give you strength. Yeah. He's that type of friend. Right. And that's actually our word of the week, um, our name for, for Jesus for this week. Every single week this year, we have a new name of Jesus that we find in, in the scriptures we're studying, and it's strength. And in Greek, um, that could also be translated to empower, to enable, to increase, and to be strong. Like these are some of the things that happen as we bring him into that. Empower me in this situation. Enable me in this relationship. Increase me in this day. Like, and, and, and we're not taking advantage of Jesus, but rather he's the one who extended the invitation initially. Um, He's the one who said, let me, let me refine and sanctify all your experiences of your life to your salvation, to your, your good. And this takes us into our, our next section, um, which is called, we're calling complete because of a, a phrase that, that he uses. But a couple of years ago, I walked home and you may know the story. I can't remember if I've, I've shared it here in a previous year. Uh, and Jenny was baking cookies and I... Um, walked in and I was like, oh, hey, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm baking cookies. And I had this like weird, like I was in a weird thinking mode or whatever. And I was like, hmm, like thinking about words, just kind of nerdy a little. And I was just like, "Mm, actually, you're not. The oven is. And she was like, what? Actually, I am. And you're not getting any. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny's like, not anymore. Not for you. But I was like, I was just intrigued by the idea of like, I'm, we say like, I'm baking a cake and I'm baking cookies. But in reality, I don't have the capacity to bake cookies. Like I don't have enough heat, you know, I don't have enough whatever in me. Like to, you know, I, I'm, at, I'm at like sometimes at a 101 <laughs> in my temperature, you know, you know, like if you like took my temperature, like the max is like, man, if you get above 105, that's dangerous. You have to go to the hospital. I don't have enough in me to make a change on the batter and the eggs and the, and the baking. Like I don't have enough to activate it, right? My job in baking is to prepare it and then put it into a place that does have the capacity for that. And like we saw in a previous section, I think Paul teaches this, this idea of becoming complete or becoming finished or becoming fully baked, I guess, you know? Um, if we compare these with each other, it's just like, oh, There is a role I can play in preparing myself, or we'll show you what that is. But what first has you have to understand is that I cannot do it. Like I don't have the capacity to complete or to finish or to round out or to sanctify myself. It is not in my wheelhouse or ability to be able to do that. It's in his. And that's what he wants you to see from the very beginning, right? Like in chapter two, if you go... There, he wants to or what? start out. Oh, are you starting in two or one? Yeah, because I feel like you have to start out in, oh, well, I guess we can start in one. Let's start out in two, though, because it's so cute when it says that he's full. Oh, yeah, yeah, and do that, do that. Let's okay. start there. Okay. Um, in chapter two, if you go to verse Colossians. nine. It's Colossians two, yeah. So true, tricky. Um, but, like, he wants you to know, like, listen, I'm going to, like, invite you into this idea of becoming complete. But before I do, that's in verse 10. He's going to say, you need to, like, you can't read verse 9 without verse 10. Because in verse 9, he's going to say, listen, you need to know that in him dwells all fullness. Everything. Being full, that idea, that, like, everything good and everything holy and everything that is able to make you complete is in him. Yeah, his phrase is like, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Yeah. the, The power, the intention, the glory the the strength the grace the gifts of the whole godhead 
dwell in him bodily. Like he came down as an expression of the Godhead fully, you know, and it's like, whoa. Like, and he was okay. walking down like the, the, the streets, streets yeah. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Then he's like, listen, that actually all completeness has to be done in that because he is full of it. Right. And then all of a sudden in verse 10, it's going to invite you into that idea of you are actually complete in him. He can make you complete because he is already full. Yes. He is the one that's capable. Right. And then if you go back to chapter one. And we like this idea of maybe a study that you could do in chapters one and two and others or with a class is if you break out this section of verses and just look for how often it will mention in him or because of him or in his power. And that'd be a fun word to like circle or mark, like how often it's like, this is what happens in him. This is what happens because of him as you go through. And we, and we have a couple examples of that. And this really is the type of chapter that if you want to get to know him better, this would be such a beautiful chapter to go to. Yeah, definitely. Like it like really is. And he's going to start out. You can see all along. Like if you go, we have a few listed here. Verse 16, for by him were all things created. The creation was full in him. Like he had that. Like it was covered because of him. For he is before all things, and by him all things consist. If you go down a little bit more to 19, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And I don't know why I'm so obsessed with that word fullness. I think it's because maybe I'm an empty type of girl. Like my car, no matter what, it's just gonna, the gaslight is just going to always be on. Like it's just like that is how <laughs> so I'm that's how I'm going to live my life. Is it going to go ahead and be on empty? Bank like, account, yeah. empty. Gas tank, empty. empty. For real. Like, like phone list, empty. <laughs> DMs, empty. empty. I'm like, I have nothing going for me. Everyone's like, oh. but for real. Sure that is so but sometimes we all feel that way. Yeah, right? Like, yes, it really everybody is. feels that like, way. Like if you ask my friends in high school how many times they had to come to like find me on the side of the road with a gas tank like it was all the time like it was just like that was normal and i think i love the idea that sometimes when i hear like he's like you need to be you're gonna be complete i'm like i can't even fill up my gas tank i'm yeah. like what am i supposed I can't get to, to do a quarter i can't yeah. get to an eight yeah i'm like this is not gonna work out for your girl like that is not you gotta find someone else the type of yeah. person that like doesn't even get below half tank and i love that he's like wait no like you forgot Fullness. I'm full. Yeah, fullness is in me. In me, like I got you. I will always come with the gas tank. Finished in me, complete in me. Yeah. Whole the, in me. That was it from the very beginning. Yeah. Like he's like, no, like I got this. Like you need to know. And even like if you read through verses 19 through 23, that is like some of the cutest things because he's like, let me prove to you why I can do this. And I actually proved it on the cross. Like, you were a mess. Like, it was. Like, in 21, he's like, that was a disaster. Let's be honest. Sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled. Yeah. In the body of his flesh through death. I have your back. Yeah. I reconciled that. Like, when you're worried about you, like, not, like, being sufficient, about you running on empty, don't worry. That was reconciled for on the cross. Yeah. To pre present it in 22, holy, he presented you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, you know? And it's interesting because then you shift over to some of these verses, and this is the question in the journal. So we gave you this first to kind of go to answer in the journal, because look at some of these words that you'll start finding here in verse 23. So if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Um, we would say, add in, in him to each of these words. Right? So That feels overwhelming by myself. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to trip. Just continue in him. Be grounded and settled in him. Don't move away from him. But you have to start with who he is. Because otherwise go, you won't know that he can do that. Right. You won't know that he can do it. And you kind of get convinced, I think, that this is who you want to do life with. Yeah. You know, if I'm picking, who do I want to emulate? Who do I want to worship? Who do I want to spend my time around? Who do I want to influence me? Choose wisely because you can be influenced. 
and you and 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 you will be impacted and affected, you know, by mere mortals. But what if you could be changed and sanctified and impacted? And all of these verses are so good. In fact, this would be. I would start. Where would you start in Colossians one? I in learning about them. I think what? if you gave someone a list of scriptures. I think you might start in verse 12 in Colossians yeah. 1 and go all the way through Even 22. Even maybe 11. Yeah, 11 and go all the way through 22. And then I would include in that Colossians 2, um, 14 and 15. Mm-hmm. 13, 14, 12, 13, 14, and 15, <laughs> right? So those, if you gave a group, a class or whatever, those first, like, okay, learn Tell who him, him is first. And then now come back and add these in. Do you want to continue in him? Stay grounded in him, settle in him, not moved in him. Colossians 2, 6 says, now walk in him. And I know who he is now. Now walk with anyone. It's him. Walk with him. And that one that you read at the beginning. And then be complete. Or seven. We didn't even do seven. Be rooted mm. and built up in him. Be, esta- be established. <laughs> okay, seven says, in his faith. Abound in thanksgiving of him. Verse 10, be complete. Yeah. In him. This is what your life can look like because it's him. Yeah. Right. This is a, the, the principle there is like really powerful. And if I were teaching this to a class, I for sure would bring a cake or I for sure would bring cookies to like teach that analogy of like baking and how that worked out. And then like, okay, now how do we become complete? Yeah, how do we, we become, need some, right? We need something. Something bigger than us. We have to engage with walk with, be grounded, rooted, settled with, built up with um, someone with more capacity, someone with a fullness, mm. right? Of power, of glory, of kindness. Of uh, When you talk about like a fullness of the Godhead, you, you, like you can make a list there. Yeah. Every attribute, every ability, you know, of the, like a fullness of mercy, a fullness of love, a fullness of understanding, a fullness of compassion, a fullness of patience. Like, man, think of the full, think of like, that would be a really cool list to make. Yeah. You know, by yourself as you study or, you know, together in a, in, in a group or a class. It would be really, really cool to do something. Just like, so much potential to learn who What he that is. means. That's such a yeah. big word, you know, in there. And are you scooted over speed with it? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Here. We kind of block this sometimes, everybody. You can get these. The PDF of these are always on the app. But we are, we were trying really hard today to scoot over. I did so bad. <laughs> so that you could see the verses and screenshot it if you if you wanted to. But if you want it to be easier, the PDF form is always in the app. Okay, so we'll go into this last one, which uh, I want to start in Colossians chapter 4 because we, we kind of talk about everybody's, you know, in the things Paul is learning on this journey, the things that he's learning on earth. The things that he's learning. I mean, he he was totally one way and now he's totally someone different. He's like Mario in the skate park. Like now everything's going to be different for me. And it's interesting because you will meet people like Mario who has no idea of the cross of Jesus and he just calls it T-Merch. And, and sometimes I think we might, um, it'd be good to not make assumptions about where people are in their understanding and their, uh, of Jesus in general and what their walk of faith has looked like. And Chapter four, he does this a lot in his in in his letters, and he just lists a bunch of names of people um, that he's on this journey with. Verse nine, for example, Onesimus. We're going to meet him in that in that letter to um, that he writes to to Philemon, and we get to get we get to actually learn his story, which will be cool. That's like a just stay stay tuned or whatever. Yeah, it's oh, like, that was so good. Um, but all of these people that he writes about that are all different on this journey and they're all traveling this journey together and the question in the journal is how does he describe some of these people who are on this journey toward christ with him and how would you describe the people who are on the journey with you and i think you would have a lot to say about those close to you who are um who fervently labor for you in in their prayers uh verse 12 um verse 9 you might call some of them faithful and beloved you might say in 10, a fellow prisoner. We went through that uh, together. You might call someone a fellow worker in the kingdom of God in verse 11, or someone who's been a comfort unto you in verse 11. And all of those are, are so like, you will have people like that. But I also want to add into that Paul's advice in Colossians 4, 
which is verse six, let your speech be always with grace and let the way you see people be always with grace and let your assumptions be always with grace and be seasoned with salt. And that makes you think of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talking about be the salt of the earth, be the light on the hill, be something that adds savor, be something that improves the taste that improves the conversation, that improves someone's thoughts or assumptions about another. Like let, let your presence and your thoughts and your words season everything with salt to improve what other people are, are thinking about it. And, and we want to add in this really well-known verse in Philippians chapter 4. Oh, I just lied about um, Verse eight, where, where he says this, it's, um, it's known by some as the admonition of Paul. <laughs> the 13th article of faith begins, we, we believe in the admonition of Paul. I remember my roommate, my freshman year at BYU was not a member of our faith and was reading the articles of faith. And he said, what's the admonition of Paul? <laughs> and I was like, uh, Paul's admonition. <laughs> I didn't know what it was or where it came from or where Joseph got it. And it's right here in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. By the way, he did say to me on that occasion where he was just like, how can you say you know something's true if you don't even know what it means? And I was like, well, I have an answer for that, but I'm now going to study what's the admonition of Paul. And he says in verse eight, Philippians four, verse eight, he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just or pure or lovely or of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. Um, and I want to say that's true of so much in this world, but particularly if people speak those things that are honest, just, true, and lovely. Look for those things. Seek for these things, the article of faith says. For the things that are lovely and of good report and praiseworthy and, and virtuous about other people who are on this, uh, who are on this journey, who are learning these lessons along the way. Let's let it, let's let it always be with, with grace for other people. And let's always speak of grace and teach of grace and talk about what, wh- where's that smile on your face come from? You know, where's that optimism? Where's that hope? Where's that exceeding expectation coming from? And let's tell the story, you know, let's, let's let people know where our strength, you know, actually, you know, what it's, what the source of it actually is. And, and, uh, and let's, I don't know. I love that. I love verse eight. I love Philippians 4, 8 so much. I love that kind, living out that kind of life is um, it's what I want to do. It's what I want to be. And I think there's so something so powerful of connecting those two areas, especially with the idea of like, oh, is what I'm talking about adding something good? Yeah. Improving the you know, flavor. And all of a sudden it like makes me want to think about my conversations and go back to that verse and be like, oh, Am I talking about those things? You know, like are my conversations filled with now I just turned away from it, but like things that are pure and lovely yeah. and virtuous, good and like, praiseworthy. Yeah. Am yeah. I saying good things? Am I saying like am I like talking about things that are worth praising? You yeah. know? Yeah. That I'm like, wait a minute, is that actually what my conversations are filled with? And especially is that what my conversations are filled with when I'm talking about other people? Yes. Yeah. Because how different could my life be if every conversation I had, I was like, oh, actually, is this adding something good yeah. to the world right yeah. now? Yeah, such a, good, such a good way to live. We end by just showing you this um, worksheet again that we have with all the prison sentences because as we went through, we just kind of like wrote some more that we thought, oh, I bet this was a little one-liner of something that he learned. This one was Philippians 119. Remember when he was like, everything's gonna turn to my salvation. Like Jesus is going to make all those things work out for me. Um, do you want to do this 23? Yeah. You love that one. Um, that one is just at the end of that verse that I'm so in love with. And it says to be with Christ, which is far better. Everything else, like I'm in jail. I am like, I, my life was good. And now I'm in jail and being with Christ is actually far better than the life I had without him. Yeah. I'd you know? rather be in jail with Jesus oh. than in a palace without, you See? know? It's so cute. And this one, I press, I press forward to the mark of the prize of that high. I have a new mark that you're, anyways, this would be cool. Just to be awesome thing to just hand out and let people write in like, oh, these are just like the one, the good one liners 
the Lord is at hand that you learned, um, that Paul learned in, in his times. And then you could also use this paper and say like, okay, here's three of Paul's. And then how about three, three of, of mine that, that I've, I've learned by doing life um, in him or with him, grounded, settled, rooted. Which is so cute. Just a know, one sentence him. testimony. Yeah. This is what I've one learned. Sentence. This is what I've learned. What did that teach you? Yeah. From him. So, all right. We'll see you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.